0: his life dream was to be a missionary. From the time he was a kid until this moment, as he sat in the mission agency office where he interviewed for this new position to see if he and his bride would be a fit to minister in Africa as their hearts so desired. And as he sat across from the interviewer and assured him, they were committed to number one, working hard, to managing their resources well and to sharing Jesus with as many people as possible. And then within a few days this dream all came crashing down. You see as they continued to prepare for the mission field he realized that his wife well she could never endure the rigors of life overseas. Her body was frail and it was fragile and with her illness and condition living in Africa would lead to her eventual death. As he was confused and crushed by the news this young couple returned home. He sought work in a local church and after that effort It was really to no avail. He couldn't find any position. You see, the first blow had left him devastated, but this one had left him depressed. He was angry, he was confused, and he started to question and wrestle with God over his calling. How could God call him to go change the world, then close all of the doors to ministry? And it was in this time of prayer and in this time of wrestling with God that he was reminded of his original commitment to work hard, to manage his resources well, and to win as many people to Jesus as he possibly could. Bingo, he thought. God had reminded him in that moment that his calling was still the same. It just might look a little different. From that moment, forth, his attitude began to change as it struck him, he could still remain true to his commitment wherever he worked and whatever he did. So he prayed exactly for this. He decided to go to work for his dad who was a dentist, had a small business on the side that produced juice for the church communion service. As his father grew a little older, the young man took over the business and determined to use it to touch the world for Jesus. He would keep his promise by financially supporting others who could go overseas as missionaries. And he built this company into a huge enterprise. In fact, you probably know and have purchased some of his juice. You see, his name was Charles Welch, and his grape juice is sold all across the world. Mr. Welch had not only given huge amounts of money to world missions, he has impacted the world for Christ in a far greater way than if he had gone overseas himself. And it all began with a pivotal prayer. Lord, I commit to work hard. I commit to managing my resources well that you give me and win as many people to Jesus as possible, and I leave all of the results up to you. There is a power in pivotal praying, and that same power is available to you and to me as we seek to follow Jesus and honor him with all our lives. We're in a series called If, and I just believe if we would begin to pray as Charles prayed, specifically and strategically for God to be honored, and for Him to use us for His glory. I believe He will do just that. As Chris spoke last week and he took us to Matthew 7, Jesus said these words, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And what it is telling us, what Jesus is telling us right here, well, it's quite simple. Jesus is telling us to pray And he is telling us to pray and it could be summarized in this one sentence. Pray about everything and if it is good, God will give it to you. As Chris said, pray about everything and if it is good, God will give it to you. That is why if we are to pray about everything, I want you in 2021 as you pray, I want you to understand how important prayer is but also how if you could make prayer And make a difference in the world and move the heart of God. Wouldn't you want to do just that? See, praying to bring about kingdom change. Praying to see God do something significant in your life for his glory and his honor and your good. See, Charles Welch prayed a pivotal prayer. And in that prayer, he talked to God specifically about three things. Commitment, stewardship, and the evangelism of the gospel. That he would work for God and surrender his life to him. And he would steward his resources in a way that honors him. And he would share Christ with as many people as he possibly could. And God answered that prayer. And so today I want to talk with you about praying powerful prayers. Prayers that make a difference and actually move the heart of God. Ephesus and the surrounding areas was seen as a place of power. Certainly in social and civic terms, the city was powerful and was positioned for even more power in the days that were ahead. It was also at this time, a center for religious power to make things happen in the world, to influence people and events, to gain wealth and influence for yourself and to become and bring the downfall of your enemies. All sorts of cults and beliefs were flourishing and frequently they focused on that word power. The power of what we would call magic or the power to make things happen in their own strength and in their world and do things no one had ever seen before. And with this in mind, Paul comes on the scene and he shares with them the greatest display of power the world has ever seen. As he tells them of this one Jesus who was raised from the dead and then says to them, this power, this power that raised Jesus from the dead, this power is available to you. You have access to that same power through the resurrection and the spirit of God now that dwells within every believer. So Paul tells the church in Ephesus that he never stops praying for them. But it's not just that, it is what Paul prays for this church that is most significant. Paul doesn't pray for an increase in numbers or better preaching, although we would love that, maybe better worship, a bigger facility. No, none of that. See, Paul prays specifically and strategically for His people. And it can be essentially boiled down in two words, Holy Spirit. And because of the Holy Spirit, we've been given something that as a community of believers, no one else has. God's Spirit, which dwells in us, which is the source of your power. Other organizations can put on a great show, You can get motivated through a great TED Talk or a motivational coach or a stirring speech. You can go to an amazing concert by your favorite band and be filled and moved with emotion. But there is one thing that we have as God's church that we only have and no one else has as followers of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us. And there is one thing that the Spirit gives each and every one of us who calls Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And that is power. And as Paul shows us, It's really important to pray that God's Spirit does His work in us so He can do His work through us. If you have your Bibles and you want to join us, we're in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 16, Paul prays strategically and specifically for the church. Let's read together what he says. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people... I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What an awesome scripture. Paul's prayer is focused entirely on spiritual things. He wants the church in Ephesus to get better awareness of God's spirit and all that God's spirit brings. It is wisdom and revelation so that the people would know God better and would know the power that is available to them through the Holy Spirit. I love it, it is that same power that God used when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, verse 20 says. And this kind of prayer makes it very clear that there is much more available to us Christians than we are commonly aware of. Through God's spirit, we have the ability to know God better and to experience a power that comes from God himself. And not only can we experience this power, we can be a powerful force for God and his kingdom as we pray and pursue the things of God. See, this is what God's church is to be about. Where God does his work in us, And then his power is seen through us and the world is changed as we partner with him. And when we speak about the Holy Spirit, see, we speak about the breath of God breathing in us. The Greek word for spirit actually means breath. And rarely in our lives, each and every day, do we think about breathing. It's essential for life, but it is just something that we do without much thought. We only think about it when something is wrong are actually when we can't seem to catch our breath. Henry Nouwen talks about prayer and the Holy Spirit like this. Those who never pray, well, they're like children with asthma because they are short of breath. The whole world shrivels up before them. They creep into a corner gasping for air and are virtually in agony. But those who pray, they open themselves to God and they can breathe freely again. See, the Spirit of God is like our breath. God's Spirit is more intimate to us than we are to ourselves. Paul's prayer for the church was that their eyes would be open to the power of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that is over all dominions and authority in heaven and on earth. And that same power is available to you and is accessed through the power of your prayer and the Bible. As we read it, it's full of men and women who prayed pivotal prayers in pivotal moments and moved the heart of God. And I want to talk about one of those guys today. His name is Nehemiah. And maybe you've heard of Nehemiah, maybe you've read his story, but Nehemiah received some grave news from an old friend as he ran into him on outside of Jerusalem. See, Nehemiah had been a captive in Babylon for many years. He had managed to obtain a steady job serving as the king's cupbearer which is just a fancy name for a food taster. He would taste all of the food before the king did anything or ate anything to make sure no one was trying to take out the king. I actually think this could be a show on the Food Network that might even be worth watching. But the king had to have the utmost confidence in this position and this person because he was like one of the king's security force. So Nehemiah's friend comes to him and he tells him Jerusalem was in ruins. That the walls protected the city for generations were broken down and the gates of the city had been burned to the ground. And the people of Jerusalem, well, they were troubled and they were feeling disgraced as the city was about to be left in ruins. Nehemiah's heart was broken when he heard this news. And then scripture tells us that he sat down and he wept and he began to pray. And he asked God to allow him to go back to Jerusalem and help his people. See, he wanted to make a difference. He wanted to be a difference maker, but he knew the task was too large for just one person. He needed the King. He needed someone with power to step in and support him. And little did Nehemiah realize that he actually had all the power on his side. And so he began to pray and he began to ask the Lord for help. And here was his pivotal prayer on that day, Lord, Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servant who delights in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, Nehemiah 1 verse 11 tells us. See, he was specific as he surrendered his will unto God's will. Lord, please hear the prayer of all those who delight in you, who want to obey you, And then from that, he specifically asked God to provide. Not something for him personally, but something that would affect something much greater than himself. Because he was just a taster of food and he needed someone powerful to listen to him and be moved by the hand of God. He needed God to do something in him because God was stirring to do something through him. And if you know the story, that was the first of many prayers that Nehemiah made on behalf of the people of Jerusalem and their great city. And in the days that followed, Nehemiah and the king, well, they had a conversation. And scripture tells us that the king asked him, Nehemiah, why do you look so sad? And he was able to tell him that his hometown, Jerusalem, was in ruin and great peril. And this was a burden on his heart. And the king did something remarkable. He asked this cupbearer, this glorified foodie, a question. Chapter 2, verse 4. Well, Nehemiah, what is it that you want? And in that moment, then I prayed to the God of heaven, Nehemiah said, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And in that moment, he centered his heart and his prayer on God. As now God had heard his prayer, And now he asked for the burden God had put on his heart to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It's unbelievable because the king granted Nehemiah's request and Nehemiah was on his way to Jerusalem, not only with the support of the king, but with the resources of the king to do the job God had laid on his heart. It took him less than two months to go back and to rebuild these walls and bring back Jerusalem to a place of honor, but it took a heart of faith and a pivotal prayer by faith to move the heart of God and the heart of the king. You see, Nehemiah's prayer was focused on something bigger than himself. He didn't have the resources. He didn't really have any power of position or influence, but he had the power of God and the power of prayer on his side. And you see, he knew that his burden was from God. And when God gives you a burden to move forward his kingdom, scripture tells us, By faith, he will provide the resources to do the job. Today, I just want to remind you, if you are a child of God, don't minimize your position or your status or your lack of power to make a difference because it's not about anything that you have or will do. It is about the willingness to be faithful right where you are and make a difference for God in this world. Nehemiah chose to pray a prayer to make a difference and God opened all the doors and he walked through them. Are there any changes that need to be made right where you live today? Right where you work? Your family, your job, your community, your city? Is there any wrong that needs to be made right? And the answer for all of us is yes. But I wanna remind you, God has given you all the power that you need. You now need to start by praying. actually become a difference maker for His kingdom and His glory, just like the food taster, Nehemiah. For those today who follow Jesus, can I just challenge you? If you really believe the first commandment it says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength, then wouldn't you think it would be important to spend time with the one you say you believe in? And the one you live for? See, your answer should be a resounding yes. And with that resounding yes means you should be faithful to your relationship with your God as you communicate and connect with him through prayer. Because it is the power that is available to you. And God is just waiting on you to activate your faith and start believing he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine as it says in Ephesians chapter three. See, praying pivotal prayers, it has the power to change you and it has the power to change the world. Let me ask you, what if 2020 wasn't really about a pandemic at all, but it was about preparation? See our focus all along has been on the pandemic and rightly so, I understand that. But what if God was actually preparing his people for what was next, not for what has already happened? See, I believe we are called to make a difference in the world, which means we probably will have to be different and we'll definitely have to pray differently in this upcoming season. That's just one of the reasons we decided to corporately do 21 days of prayer together to worship together, to pray together as we start this new year. And I just wanna let you know, it's not too late to join in. You can sign up for our daily devotionals and be reminded every morning to join us in prayer from seven to 7.30 on Zoom. That's why even, those, even though we aren't meeting here in person on the weekends for the next few weeks, we are continuing at our Yorba Linda campus, our worship experience every evening at seven o'clock as well, except for Wednesdays, which is at 12 o'clock in our pavilion. You have two ways to join in and begin this new year by praying and worshiping with God's people because we are wanting God to move in us so he can move through us to make a difference for him in this world. So how do you do that? What do you do? Well, let me just give you a couple ways that you can position yourself to experience God and be used by him in this new year. See, the position of power is on your knees. The position of power is on your knees. That's where it all begins. Pastor Nikki Gumbel tells a story that was in the book, The Vision and the Vow by Pete Gregg. And it is the story of a distinguished art critic who was studying an exquisite painting by the Italian Renaissance master, Filippino Lippe. He stood in London's National Gallery gazing at the 15th century depiction of Mary holding the infant Jesus on her lap with Saints Dominic and Jerome kneeling nearby. But the painting troubled him. There could be no doubting Lippe's skill, his use of color or composition, but the proportions of the picture seem, well, slightly wrong, as you might see from the painting. The hills in the background seemed exaggerated, as if they might topple out of the frame at any minute onto the gallery's polished floor. The two kneeling Saints, well, they looked awkward and uncomfortable. An art critic, Robert Cumming, was not the first to criticize Lippe's work for its poor perspective, but he may well be the last to do so. Because at that moment, he had a revelation. You see, it suddenly occurred to him that the problem might be his. The painting had never been intended to come anywhere near a gallery. Lippe's painting had been commissioned to hang in a place of prayer. The dignified critic dropped to his knees in the public gallery before the painting, and there, there is where he suddenly saw what generations of art critics had missed. From his new vantage point, Robert Cummings found himself gazing up at a perfectly proportioned piece of art. The foreground had moved naturally to the background, while the saints seemed settled in their awkwardness, like the painting itself having turned To grace, he said. Mary now looked intently and kindly directly at him as he knelt at her feet between Saints Dominic and Jerome. It was not the perspective of the painting that had been wrong all these years. It was the perspective of the people looking at the painting. Robert Cummings on bended knee found a beauty that Robert Cummings, the art critic, could not. The painting only came alive to those on their knees in prayer. You see, the right perspective is when we humbly go before our Father on bended knee. And it is here on bended knee that we nurture and rekindle our faith. In his sermon in Matthew 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are humble and realize who they are before an almighty God. You see, Jesus continually refused the way of success or power or influence or becoming a celebrity, but always he chose the way of sacrifice and powerlessness, compassion, and love. And so we must, as his followers, choose to humble ourselves before God. Because it is only on bended knee that we experience the power of God and understand that because of God's spirit, the power of God resides in you and in me. See, praying pivotal prayers has the power to change you and to change the world. Story of a man by the name of James, who was a grocery clerk, who started with capital of 65 bucks and his business was to pedal cheese from a one horse wagon. To say he was a dismal failure, well that would be kind. But James continued to to push himself and to try and grow his business, but he grew deeper in depth. He was young and inexperienced, so he sought the advice of a wise Christian friend. And that friend heard his story and offered this counsel. You haven't included God in your business, his friend shared with him. You haven't let him take over the work. You've only asked him to be a part of it. It's not how God works. And this sent the young clerk into a tailspin. James was gripped with just a a mix of emotions. He was offended that such a judgment had been laid on him. And at the same time, he was struck by his friend's blunt honesty. You see, it was a pivotal moment in his life. And days passed as the young clerk prayed and pondered. Finally, he crossed a line in the sand. He wrote his friend saying, if God wants to run this cheese business, he can do it. I'll work for him. And this is what he prayed. God, this is your business. I work for you. You choose to do what you want with it, and I will give you the honor for it. And from that moment on, God became the senior partner in his business, the chief person, consultant in every decision. There was a chair that was left open in their staff meetings, reminding his staff of God's presence and position in their business. And over the month, the business grew and it prospered, and eventually became the largest cheese company in the world. You see, James L. Kraft's pivotal prayer made all the difference in the Kraft Cheese Company. See, God, this is your business, he said, I work for you. You choose to do what you want with it and I will give you the honor for it. He prayed a pivotal prayer. I am praying two pivotal prayers every day this year as I wanna make a difference for God in 2021. One is for us together as a church, and one is for me personally. Along with everything else I'm gonna pray about, I'm printing these two prayers out and I'm gonna memorize them. And every day, to the best of my ability for 2021, these are my two prayers. And I am doing this because I believe this to be true. I am powerless without the power of the Holy Spirit which means I am powerless without connecting to the powerful almighty God that is the source of life and breath. And when he moves in my life, then something will happen around me for his glory and his honor. See, I'm gonna begin praying for something that stirs in me that God would begin to work through me. I wanna move the heart of God to move within our church and within my life. And just like in other areas of my life, I'm gonna be strategic in what I pray for as I seek to make an impact for His kingdom and His glory. So I wanna share with you my two prayers. And what I'm asking you for today is this, that you would join me, that you would have a strategic, written out prayer for your church and the difference you want us to make for His glory in 2021. And then a personal prayer for you that you would personally would be a difference maker for God in 2021 and here's just an example for you to go off but I'm going to ask you to do this this week and I'm going to ask you to join with me and I'm going to mirror what Paul prayed for to the church in Ephesus and here's my prayer for you the people of Friends. God give the people of Friends Church the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know you better I pray that the eyes of their hearts will be open so that they may know the hope to which they are called, that they would experience the riches of your inheritance and your incomparably great power that lives in each one of them. May we together change the world for you." Every day, I'm gonna be praying that for you and for every person that calls friends their church home. Personally, here's my prayer. God, may I make an impact for your kingdom, an impact that changes our church, our community, and our world. See, I believe God's called us to be difference makers. Charles Welch thought he could never make a difference for God when his dream was shattered and he wasn't going to the mission field. Yet God turned that dream into something greater than he could ever imagine. James Craft was a a failed cheesemaker until he decided his business was God's and not his, and he gave it and surrendered it over to him. Nehemiah was just a glorified foodie, but he had access to the king, but his greatest access was to the king of kings and Lord of lords, and we still marvel at what he did today as he got on his knees and he prayed a pivotal prayer. All three of them did this, and I ask you to join them and to join me and let's see what God might do through us as we seek to move forward his kingdom and honor him with all of our lives. Because see, you have been given the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about that. If praying pivotal prayers has the power to change the world, can you imagine if Friends Church unleashed that power of God in us? Can you imagine what he could do through us? See, I think 2020 was a year of preparation. Now it's 2021. And I think we are called to participate with God and unleash His power to change us and to change the world. I'm just asking you to join me and humbly go before your God and pray a pivotal prayer for your church and for yourself that God would use us to change his world for his glory and his honor. May his power go with you in 2021 and may we become the church of authentic Christ followers that we would be compelled to go and change our world. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for your examples of men and women that surrendered and gave themselves over to you. Thank you, God, that they. They prayed pivotal prayers in crucial moments in their life. And God, you showed up and were faithful. So I pray for us as a church that we will do just that. I pray as we begin this season, In 2021, that God, uh, many would join uh, the over 8 or 900 that have already signed up to be a part of our daily prayers. That many would come to worship you each and every night in our pavilion. That God, we would get on our knees and on our face and have a right perspective of who we are and who we are not. That we would humbly come, poor in spirit, because we want to see your kingdom come to this earth and your will be done as it is in heaven. So God, as Friends Church, we again, Say, this is your church. Have your way. May we steward it well. Would you empower us? Would you strengthen us? And would you use us for your glory in 2021? It's in the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.